Welcome to the Walk in Truth weekend program. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance from Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's teaching, remember you can learn more about Pastor Michael Lance, the church, how to donate, how to contact us, and the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael Lance in part three of his teaching in Revelation 13, The Mark of the Beast. I saw another beast, Revelation 13, 11, coming up out of the earth. The first one was from the sea, the second one from the earth. He had two horns like a lamb. He looks harmless, but he spoke as a dragon. The idea probably of power and craftiness. He looks like a lamb. He speaks like a dragon. In Revelation 5, we saw a lamb as if slain, right? And that lamb was representative of who? Jesus Christ. This lamb is the false prophet. And we learn that from other uh, verses later on in the book. He's kind of the religious arm of this Antichrist who seems to be political. And so he arises from the earth here, and he looks harmless. In fact, there are some that believe that he tries to convince the world that he is Jesus, that he's the Messiah, that he's the Lamb, that it's okay to give your allegiance to this political leader. Look, I'm telling you, this is who I am. And look at what's happened to him. He, he had a mortal wound, a fatal wound, and, and he's okay. And you guys have been worshiping him anyway. And notice something else. He exercises, verse 12, all the authority of the first beast or the Antichrist in his presence. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. This so-called false prophet, religious leader, is pointing the world to worship the Antichrist or the beast. And the world is right with him. And, you know, the world has had a lot of false prophets. There were false prophets of Baal back in the day. Jesus said there will be false Christs and false prophets. They've, they've been all over the Bible for a long time. There were many false prophets prophesying falsely to the kings of Israel, saying, peace, peace, when there was no peace. It's nothing new to have false prophets, to people, use, people using the name of God, saying they speak for God. But notice something else about this second beast in 13. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. We had a Bible study studying some of these subjects. And one of the guys at the study who's up on eschatology said, Pastor Michael, I've never seen you call fire down from heaven. And I told him I've tried a few times, but it's not working. But anyway, just a joke. But here's the thing. Can you imagine, and I don't know how literally to take this, but can you imagine if someone could perform such a sign as this, how people could easily be swayed? Who could call fire down from heaven? In the Old Testament, it was Elijah. And in Revelation 11, it was one of the two witnesses. And some people believe the two witnesses represents the church. Others of us have said, perhaps it's Moses and Elijah or Enoch and Elijah. Whoever it is, the devil is parroting the work of God again, almost like in the book of Exodus when the Egyptian magicians parroted the work that Moses did. Was it sleight of hand? 
Was it what they call prestidigitation, that you're just fooling somebody? Or was it a real demonic miracle? Can the enemy do false signs and wonders? I'd say so. I'm sure he's limited. He can't do what God can do, but he can do some things to impress people, it would appear. And this false prophet, this sidekick of this other beast, is doing some incredible things that you know, would convince probably everybody, unless they knew, to test these things in a way that we know. In Matthew 24, 24, Jesus says, false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Matthew 24, 24. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy 13 for a second. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy 13. This is a verse just to keep in mind in light of what's being talked about. Deuteronomy 13, Moses writing says these words, verse 1. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, Deuteronomy 13, 1. I'll slow down for a second, but we got to move quickly. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you, gives you a sign or a wonder, Deuteronomy 13, 2, and the sign or the wonder comes true, concerning which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods whom you have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Moses said to the children of Israel, if you have a guy who does a sign or a wonder or a token and it comes to pass, but his message is to follow other gods besides me, don't do it. The sign is not the ultimate test of his validity. His words are. What he tells you to do, to worship, to act upon, to believe. Ultimately, back to Revelation 13, we do not measure one by how he dresses, if he holds a Bible, if he sounds good, if he's a good speaker. We test by the word of God. If someone sounds good, but they start telling us things that are against Scripture, against the gospel, against the Bible, don't follow them. I don't care how slick or popular they may be. Everybody hearing what I'm saying? This is the message. And he, Revelation 13, 14, this false prophet, deceives the whole, those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image, the word there is icon to the beast, who had the wound of the sword, some sort of military defeat perhaps, and has come to life. The false prophet, verse 14 tells the world to make an image, an icon of the beast. What is this image? I simply don't know. I don't know what the image is. There's all kinds of conjecture of what it could be, everything from amulets to individual statues. We do know that the Caesars back in the day, when Rome was conquering much of the known world, would plant a huge statue of the Caesar at a major port or somewhere where it was visible, even to uh, ships that were coming into the area, to tell you who you had to pay allegiance to. By the way, first century Christians 
uh, refused to burn incense to the Caesar, like on his birthday and so forth, and were killed for it. They were fed to the lions because they would not pay obeisance or bow down to the imperial cult, which is another way of saying Caesar worship. So whatever this is, it is something similar to that. And an image is made some sort of idolatry or idol, which is a no-no for Christians, of course, and Jews. And here's where it gets even more weird. There was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, not to the beast himself, but to the image, that the image of the beast might even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now, if you ask me, Pastor Michael, what is the interpretation of that? All I can say is I have no clue. I just don't know. Now, I have heard that in the ancient world, when the imperial cult was happening, sometimes there would be pagan priests who would do some sort of ventriloquism behind these statues or idols, throw their voice to make it sound like it was speaking or an oracle was being given by the statue. Is that what's going on? Could it be that modern technology in some way will play a part in this? so that it will appear that life has come into an image? Could cell phones or robots or something like that have a part? I don't know. But God is the one that breathes life into man. And again, this is the enemy trying to parrot the work of God. Whatever this means, it's, it's weird. Uh, there's, there's death if you don't bow down to the image. Is it just symbolic? It may well be. But Dr. Gundry says these words. We need to interpret this passage in the light of the culture of John's day. In order to control the diverse peoples and nations of their vast Roman Empire and to promote some degree of unification, the Romans erected statues of and temples to the Caesar or emperor in the cities of the lands that they conquered. These conquered peoples were then demanded to worship those statues. It was a method of showing loyalty to their captors. Certain historical records report that some priests in pagan temples did this ventriloquism trick in order to cause people to believe that there was some life or whatever. And he, verse 16, causes all, the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. Now, this is the famous mark of the beast. What is the mark? Is it a microchip? Is it an actual visible thing that you could look at? Well, whatever it is, it is a counterfeit of God's mark. Everybody remember in chapter 7? God sealed who? The 144,000. The seal, just flip back so you can see this. Revelation 7, look at verse 3. Where was the seal put on them? Revelation 7, verse 3. Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on what? Their forehead. Everybody go to Revelation 14, look at verse 1. I looked, and behold, the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, with him 144,000, having his name and the name of his Father written where? On their foreheads. Now, everybody listen to this really quick. This is from Deuteronomy 6, verses 8 and 9. You shall bind them, the teaching of the Torah, as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
You've been listening to the Walk in Truth Weekend Program. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. The small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. Now, this is the famous mark of the beast. What is the mark? Is it a microchip? Is it a actual visible thing that you could look at? Well, whatever it is, it is a counterfeit of God's mark. Everybody remember in chapter 7? God sealed who? 144,000. The seal, just flip back so you can see this. Revelation 7, look at verse 3. Where was the seal put on them? Revelation 7, verse 3. Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on what? Their forehead. Everybody go to Revelation 14, look at verse 1. I looked... And behold, the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, with him 144,000, having his name and the name of his father written where? On their foreheads. Now, everybody listen to this really quick. This is from Deuteronomy 6, verses 8 and 9. You shall bind them, the teaching of the Torah, as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Deuteronomy 6, 8, and 9 tells the Jewish people, they literalized this by making phylacteries, which hung from their arms and came down to their forehead, literally little scripture boxes, take, taking this in an over-literal way, but I don't think that, that was the message to the Jews. When you're with your kids and grandkids, when you walk by the way, teach them the principles of scripture. Let them be on your hand, whatever you do with your work. Let them be in the frontals of your forehead. Let your mind dwell on these things. May I submit to you? The mark may be more a message like this. Who do you belong to? What captivates the work of your hands, the thoughts of your mind? Whose mark do you carry? God's or Satan's? Is it a literal mark? where it's a microchip or something like that. Well, I don't think we've made the mark in Revelation 7 and 14 literal. So maybe the mark is more symbolic of ownership. 
Could I say to you tonight that that's probably the application that you and I need to wrestle with? Is who do you belong to? Which king and kingdom do you serve? To where or to whom do you show allegiance? When it's all said and done, if persecution comes to your city or town, will you bow or will you stand? Don't you see that the deeper question being wrestled with is who do you belong to? The kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan? The father of lights or the world? What system, what Pied Piper do you follow? Have you answered that question? Have you answered that question for yourself no matter what comes your way? Whatever your health may be, whatever your bank account might say, whatever the world may be, whatever percentage of Christians live in your town or live in this country, will you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? It's interesting. Back in the day, slaves in Rome actually were marked on their foreheads or their hands. Runaway slaves actually were marked with a CF, cave furum. It meant beware of thief. It marked them as a fugitive. Uh, it was put in a place where you normally wouldn't cover it with clothing on your forehead or on your hand to mark you. And a slave was marked with a brand to depict ownership. So again, I would say whatever you make of this mark, the deeper message has to do with ownership. Whom do you serve? Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can't do it. And he provides that no one should be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Do you know, I I was doing a little study on this, and I heard that a papal bull was issued. And you say, what? A A papal bull was a pronouncement from the pope uh, throughout the history of the church, and you could... And you can talk about Roman Catholicism and Protestantism and Wycliffe and the Reformation under Luther. But what I understand is papal bulls sometimes went out, proclamations from the Roman Catholic Church to do harm in some way to Christians. And in some cases, apparently, you can do your own research on this, to keep professing Christians from buying or selling. In other words, it worked this way. Oh, you're a Christian? I'm not doing business with you. Oh, you're one of those? I'm not doing business with you. You can't buy something from me, and I ain't selling to you. Everybody with me? It had to do with your identity, who you belong to. In some countries of the world, if you identify as a Christian, they will not do business with you. They will not have anything to do with you. So again, um, obviously there's some practical stuff here, but there's also a deeper message of belonging. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Now, I know as we close this message that a lot of people freak out. They get a phone number or a license plate number or there's a date on the calendar, 666, or I bought something that was $6.66. So they buy some chewing gum to throw that off, right? Now it's $7.42. Oh, I feel better. And we get all weird. Look, there's, there's been all kinds of speculation on 666. In the end, 
Six is the number of man. Tripling the number may speak of just the the fact that this one represents man, and man falls short of God, short of perfection. And if you follow this kingdom or this man, you're going to fall short too. That could be the message. But there are others who have done numeric equivalents and others who have said there will be a, a literal number this way, and I'll let you just wrestle with that. Um, First John says, children, it is the last hour, verse 18. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many, many Antichrists have arisen. From this we know that it is the last hour. Tell you what, flip over to First John. It's just a few pages back. First John, pastor promises this is the last scripture of the night. So Shane, if you're ready, you can come up. Verse uh, 19 of chapter 2 of 1 John. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out in order that it might be shown that they, are, they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know, 1 John 2.21. I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. Father, we are grateful to be yours because you've sent your Son. He who has the Son has the Father, but if we deny the Son, we've also denied the Father. There are many people who think, oh, I can believe in God, some undefined God, and I'm fine. But Jesus, you said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no one who's coming to the Father except through me. And if we have the Son, we have this life, and we thank you that we do have that life if we're a Christian. And if you're not a Christian tonight, may I just exhort you to run to Jesus, run to the truth. Uh, he, is, he is the embodiment of truth, and he will keep you from the father of lies and from his deception. He will be your bridge to the kingdom. He washes away sin. He sets the sinner free. He'll give you a new heart and a new start. If you've been a prodigal and you've been running from him, run back to him. And just say, Lord Jesus, I want to know you. I believe in your death on the cross and your resurrection from the dead. I want to follow you. Make me your child. Make me uh, a son or a daughter that is loyal, that shows allegiance. And when I fail, and I will, thank you for your grace and your mercy in my life. Lord God, I, I pray a blessing over your people, that you meet their every spiritual, physical, emotional need, take care of their uh, provisions that they need, protect them from the evil one and let us be busy about your kingdom in light of eternity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Michael Lance on Walk in Truth. This has been part three of his teaching in Revelation chapter 13 about the mark of the beast. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first a reminder, you can re-listen to today's teaching and previous teachings in the book of Revelation when you visit our website, walkintruth.com. Walk in Truth is also available for free on many podcast apps, apps like iHeartRadio, iPodcast, Spotify, Google Music, and many more. 
Search Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe. Now, here's Pastor Michael. A great brother in the Lord named Paul Hicks has been doing devotionals that you can get on your phone several times a week. I'm personally blessed by these. I get to open them up and be encouraged by a scripture verse and some thoughts from Paul. And you have the opportunity to subscribe to this Step Closer devotion to help you in your walk with the Lord and literally to help you get a step closer in your walk with Jesus. I know life is busy. I know sometimes it's hard to crack open your Bible every day. And so this is a way just to access something on your phone. It'll be there for you. You can read it, be encouraged. I know for me personally, it's always good to just start my day with the Word of God, have a little devotional thought, some time of prayer, and it just seems to kind of orient or set right my whole day. I'm sure you can relate to that. Well, we have this for you. It's available when you text Step Closer, the word Step Closer as one word, actually, to 33222. Remember, it's all one word, text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Text that today. Join us in this walk as you and I get a step closer in our walk with Jesus. Be sure to come back tomorrow to hear part one of Pastor Michael's teaching in Revelation 14 about the harvest. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. In addition to our faithful listeners and financial partners, this program is made possible by our staff, Executive Administrative Pastor Mike Rizzi, Audio and Video Technician Nathan Lance, Program Director Rob Newton, Graphic Arts Director Brenda Lance, Walk in Truth store admin, Larie Bondi. Financial admin, Claudia Rizzi. And senior pastor, Michael Lance. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people.